0: Hello everyone. Welcome to episode twenty-one of Reen Our Voice. My name is Robert Swatala. I'm one of the co-hosts for our program. With me, my co-host, Jeff Mazzone. How are you, Jeff? Good morning, Robert. What's going on? Good. Not much. Um, we are in the heart of summer. Um, it's hard to believe. Um we're we're just cranking through this year. I had a question for you, if you don't mind. Okay, here we go. You know, <laughs> 're always hesitant when I bring oh, this yeah. up you yeah. know, you just never know because I don't tell you in advance we don't prepare for this
1: no there's very little preparation for this <laughs> yeah, that's people true yeah probably noticed yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what is what is like your summer thing like like what do you like to, I already know you're like a gremlin you don't like the light um because you're afraid wow. of getting burnt yes. but um did you know that 80s reference there That was good um, yeah. yeah yeah um <laughs> but what do you do like what's what's your summer thing?
1: Uh, I, I told you this before, like my wife, she loves the beach and sand and I don't. Um, so I, of course, oh, yep. And I always try to find opportunities to just stay in a nice, cool air conditioned room and read a book. Like that's always my plan for the summer, but that never happens. So, uh, swimming pools are good, I guess. I don't know. Do you have any, any like real, like summertime
0: memories, like, like that you or routines or traditions or anything like that?
1: Well, I'll tell you, so on our honeymoon, we got married in June and we went to DR cause my wife is from DR cause I haven't said that enough in this podcast. And, um, for some reason I thought that I did not need to wear sunscreen, uh, while on honeymoon in Dominican Republic. That somehow yeah. my Irish skin would be fine. W- w- would block because the sun, you. And th- Well, this was my reasoning. I said to my wife, well, the sun is different here in DR than it is in New York. And she's like, yeah, we're a lot closer to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like 10 times more intense. Some, somehow I, in my idiot thinking brain, I did not realize that my chance of dying were higher in DR than they were in New York. And so I got the worst sunburn of my life while on honeymoon, which was a lot of fun. So that's a fond summer memory so that's like the summertime tradition is for you to get burnt
0: is what i'm hearing yeah definitely okay all right all right well that's good to know uh, I'm um i'm gonna hang out with you in the winter and
1: the fall maybe uh, maybe that's, maybe that's the best it. yeah i love yeah. it hey so this is not episode 21 it is not what. Did this is one? episode 22 because our last guest who folks will have listened to by the time this episode oh, right, is released. Right, that's a right. two-part episode. Epic. That is a two-part
0: episode. So thank you for correcting me on that. You're right. So we um we had our first two-part episode
1: that uh, we dropped in pretty soon here. You know what? And and this is I mean public disclosure, that was our first African-American guest. Okay. Last week, you know. Okay. And now and now we've been asking folks, we want to get one of our professors, an African-American woman, we want to get her on the show. Yeah. And, and professors have been saying, hands down, you got to get Dr. Tyree. And not just
0: professors, students as well. Students. Like, students. so this is, a, this is a, big, a big thing because we have, we have been um, told by many people that uh, this is who we want to talk to. So I'm excited for today. I'm going to use that word because I am excited for
1: today. Uh, you know, next summer, I'm going to get you a thesaurus so you can find different <laughs> words other than the word excited Thank uh, you. to use. Thank but you. Here's, the, here's the thing. I mean, all joking aside, Robert, you and I, we, we don't know how to have this conversation well. Right. Right. And so, you know, we're I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that I'm not, I'm going to be awkward and clumsy and, and I'm a little scared, honestly. Um, yeah. And so we're really grateful that Dr. Tyree's here today to just kind of help us navigate the conversation of where we are uh, culturally, societally, uh, societally—is that a word? Um, even ecclesially, like where are we? Yeah, uh, in this conversation, and yeah, I'm I'm scared. I approach it with fear and trembling.
0: Yeah, yeah, rightfully so. And I think the important part is we're having it. And i think that's hopefully what we'll hear today is is that intentionality so without further ado
1: jeff could you introduce our guest dr tyree yeah so dr yolanda tyree has been working as a counselor counselor educator author and higher education professional for the past 18 years and holds a phd in counselor education she is a state licensed counselor and supervisor and has a nationally board certified counselor uh, she is the 2021-2022 President for the Alabama Counseling Association. She also serves a profession in her community as a board member for the Montgomery Area Mental Health Authority. She is past Presidents for the Alabama Association for Counselor Educators and Supervisors, the Alabama College Counseling Association, and Prior Chair of Current Issues and Trends for the Alabama Counseling Association. Dr. Tyre recently served as Treasurer of the American College Counseling Association for 2019-2020. to 2020. Dr. Tyree currently serves as associate professor at Liberty University in the Department of Counselor Education and Family yes. Studies. She is owner of Reignite, Counselor, Coach, and Consultation Service, and author of Reignite, a 21-day devotional. She is committed yes. to helping others realize, renew, and ignite their talents, dreams, and goals. So, Dr. Tyree, thank you so much for being here. We are really honored.
2: No, thank you for having me. Good morning.
1: And I mean, just, just before we get into it, I mean, can we just... Like we were just saying, like Robert and I we we don't know how to have this conversation and, and yeah, just can you help us there with that piece? Like
2: Yeah. Well, first, I, you know what? I always uh, let me just thank you and acknowledge what you're saying. I appreciate you, sh- you sharing that. I think many people feel that way when they're engaging in conversations like this. Um, I want our conversation to be comfortable because I'm here, um, and I, you know, and I agreed to be here. And So I'm really looking forward to engaging in some of the pieces and it makes it reflective for me. And the other piece that I want to acknowledge is this, um, the power and vulnerability. Because right now what you're sharing is just, you know, and leaning into a vulnerable moment. It is something that when I'm working with students, I'm always encouraging um, them to do. Because I think that in vulnerability, we find connection, we find um, comfort, we find a little bit of safety if we allow ourselves to. And so for me, just hearing you say that um, really helps me f- to feel a little more comfortable. So I appreciate you sharing that.
0: Yeah, Dr. Terry, thank you for being here. And, and, you know, this is just not only sometimes difficult conversation, but it's an important conversation. And I think this is how we get to move the needle a little bit in some of the the racial, social, multicultural issues that we're facing as a world today. So can you just share with, with us a little bit about your experience uh, in this counseling profession as an African-American woman, um, really in the context of, of development, leadership, discrimination, maybe opportunities and challenges and inspirations. I know that's a lot there, but if you could just kind of share with us generally, what what has been your experience?
2: You're right. It's a very uh, meaty question. Um, so so I'm just going to just kind of give a stab at it and, and try to process and think about some of the experiences that I've had as an African-American woman. Um, first of all, I, I think I'd just like to say, hey, I feel super blessed and honored you know, to be an African American woman, to have this opportunity to be here with with each of you, just in this time and this space, just overall. There's so much going on in this time and space. And um, and we know that God prepares us and puts, puts us in places with purpose and intentionality. And so I often have to remind myself of that because it is what gives me the strength and and it enhances my endurance. You know, as we navigate through some difficult conversations, some difficult seasons and periods in time. Um and also, you know, just being a person myself, like I have kids, I have a husband, an African American husband, you know, I'm part of a family and so clinging on or having that awareness of that and having people like you in my lives who clearly you know, are not African-American where you can have you know, uh, conversations help to make these things, I think, more palatable um, in, in some moments. And so when I think about maybe one part of your conversation, I consider um, development. You know, it makes me think about the fact that I am here in Montgomery, Alabama so which has a lot of historical context in itself um but one of the things that comes to my mind is when i was uh younger and uh lived over near the airport if anybody is you know listening to this from Montgomery Alabama in that Twin Gates area and was um majority minority had started and so my minority neighborhood many of us in that neighborhood was bust across town um And we went to an an all-white school. And so I can um, think about that as in a minority context, because prior to that, I had gone to um, private schools and... uh, they were African-American. So I went to Brown Providence. I went to, you know, have some opportunities where I was, you know, really encapsulated into my culture. And so I can remember specifically, you know, um, that experience of being bused across and going across the city and, um, and, and that experience in itself. On top of that, you know, thinking about, I can count on my one hand, the number of African-American teachers I've had through my whole trajectory of, you know, education. And it's, Um, It's not been more than five. And so just kind of thinking about that and how that impact development and maybe how I came to understand my own voice and hearing my own self and understanding my place in the world. um, I definitely think that had um, some impact as I shift for a moment and think a little bit about leadership. I I can say that um, for some reason I have been afforded some great opportunities in leadership when I definitely have felt that I had a lot, a lot of place to grow or places for development. I feel feel that now. Um, So I can think about areas where I had leadership experience and um, some substance abuse and disability services. And even as I think trajectory wise over the last several years, having the opportunity to lead a build a bridge group. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but I've had the opportunity. It's a, it's a group here in, in our area, which i I'm sure it's the places all, all over, but the, the group is called Be The Bridge. And so it's a, a group of African-American women and white women intentionally getting together and having conversations. We go through a curriculum um, for us. We do a lot of connection. We've done a lot of um, field trips to museums and things like that so we can enhance the, the overall content of the information that we've been reading. Um, so that's been a very impactful experience for me over the last several years, especially moving through these last maybe two or three years when there's um, been so when there's been much more attention, um, I guess, socially on racial injustice and those pieces, and then of course. As you noted in my bio, having the opportunity this year to be the ALCA president. And so all of the little pieces in the work that's led me up to this um, point, I, I think is definitely um, given a lot of prudence and credence, you know, to my uh, work and uh, leadership as it relates to race. Okay. Um, when I think about considerations for um, opportunities, then I have to say, um, Gosh, I've, I've been pretty lucky with that. Um, I've run into many people over the years and they've asked, you know, hey, do you still live in Montgomery? What have you been doing there? You know, well, I was lucky enough to be able to get a very solid um, education. Auburn is about 45 minutes down the road for me, so I was able to get my Ph.D. from Auburn University, and I considered that to be a huge, um, a huge thing. I was the first in my family to, to be able to gather a Ph.D., and coincidentally, I was able to do that while working at an HBCU. So uh, I was working at a historically black college, and it was because of their support their love, their their graciousness, because I know a lot of people have to do a lot of my work to allow me the opportunity to leave and drive the class. And, you know, all that occurs over the four years um, to be able to to make that accomplishment. So shout out to the ASU Counseling Center, Miss Stanton, Dr. Brown, all of those. So so um, so some opportunities, those are some that come to mind when I think about discrimination. Those things you know, sit with me um, very saliently. And one of the things that I can, or two things come to mind is, that sit with me the most, and it's that feeling or experience of not feeling valued or your voice not being heard, um, not being seen at the table. So I can, I can clearly think that because of my race, I've been invited to tables Especially in places where there weren't many minorities, um, anyway. And so I know I've seen myself, or have noted that others may have seen me as a token, but may have me at the table, but may not really appreciate or value my voice there at the table. So there's been some work around being intentional, using my voice in a right, and you know, in a, a strategic ways, as well as finding places. That are maybe not even at the table to get on. So I think conversations like these are very impactful and meaningful and may not per se be at the table but still have uh, a greater amount of power and ability and how it makes impact. And so I found myself being again strategic or creative in how I make spaces and places for myself.
1: That was a very systematic approach to a very long question. <laughs> that that was great that was very ordered dissected that very well good great job it's great and and you know it's helpful like uh, robert and i are both in practicum and internship and and i have to say that some of the most impactful moments i've had just as a counseling student are being one-on-one in the room with an african-american client and just having the conversation and hearing them tell personal stories personal struggles you know, triumphs things that they have to do in order to accomplish the same things that I can accomplish with ease. Um, so like, you know, a, a client telling a story about how hard it is for he and his wife to go on vacation in the Poconos because they're black. And it's like, that, I mean, I wouldn't even think I just get in the car and go to the Poconos, you know, but for them, it, it, there, there are layers there that, so just being able to sit and listen to him, share that, uh, was really changing for me um and it kind of just softened my heart a little bit to the experience um and so i, I mentioned that just kind of leading into the next question like you know if we're going to talk the racial racial reconciliation piece where do you find yourself among the the approaches that seem to be available out there um you know we've heard from liberty professors a certain aim toward the relationship building uh, mm-hmm. but we'd love to hear what, what you find as being helpful, where you find yourself kind of in the, in the mix of different approaches.
2: Yeah. So, you know, if, if you don't mind in light of vulnerability, as you kind of kicked us off with that, um, Jeff, I'm going to share where I am particularly right now in this specific time. So I don't want anybody to hear this piece of my story and think that this is me globally, but I think that it'll provide a little bit of a different perspective um, our view of where most are. So, you know, um, generally when we're talking and addressing this question, you know, we think about, you know, two primary approaches, you know, so that relational, or we hear a lot of talk about this critical race theory. And so while I absolutely positively would lean toward relational theory, I can tell you that over the last year or so, I personally have experienced some bumps in it with it. And I am currently on this journey with God, myself, others um, on how on how that piece lays out. So I want to make sure you hear both. So yes, I believe in it, but I'm I'm experiencing I'm I'm in this little kind of shaded place, if you will, with me on that. Um, So uh, over the last year or a half or so, I um, belong to. Well I had belonged to a, a large church in the area that I really loved loved the people there and um, came to find out that the pastor there had um, been engaging with uh, engaging with someone who was known to be a racist um, liking his pages, kind of making those connections and I found that to be very detrimental to to me you know I know again many people have different uh, opinions about the process, the walk, whatever. But for me, it was not it was not great. It was very uh disheartening, disruptive, dissatisfying, altering altogether um as it relates to that in my personal walk with church, not with God. We're still good, you know, we have a great relationship. We talk we talk it out. He continues to talk to me about it because I'm still not as heartbroken as before. You know how it goes when you're Mendy. Um but we're good. But with that whole church family. So if anybody belongs to a church family, I know you can imagine, you know, I'm not seeing my peeps on Sunday like I used to. I belong to my my prayer group. I miss them viscerally. Um, I miss the continuity. Um, a, A lot of pieces I'm sure that everybody can relate to. But knowing that my leader who had relationship because there are lots of black people in the church all, all over the place in the prayer group. And I mean, there are no places where there weren't, so I don't have to go through everything. I, so But I know he had relationship, right? He even talked about a lot of um even growing up and working, he's from New Orleans, can't escape any black people there, right? You know, So there was a lot of relationship there um, that occurred. And so you know, it made me pause and go, so how did that happen? How do you have a, a structured, um, a long-term relationship and still be able to not make the connection over? Also, during that same year, with my Be the Rears group, um, and if any of them were here, you know, I know they would be able to to speak to this too. you know as we unpacked some pieces and, and talked about considerations the, the things that were going on like the um, Aubrey or um, any of those places, it seems like sometimes they were they were were not able to make those connections to I'm gonna say the personal me or the other African American individuals in the group because I think we had such relationship. I think it was more like oh, well, just my friend and so he's over here in this place, but there's these others. So I wonder if he did if that, those others over there did something to deserve that. I wonder if they had to just, um, you know, follow the rules, those others wouldn't have. But Yolanda, I know you and your husband you would never, you know, that would not happen to you guys. So I hope you can understand what I'm saying. And so for me, <clears throat> it was alarming and disarming and another way to go. Oh, but Jeff, we've been hanging out, you know, like the whole year, two, three. Um, we've been talking about these topics. You you didn't think about my husband, you know, maybe running, you know, he runs every morning, you know, or, or he rides his bike. Um, or you didn't think that maybe even though you engage with me, you're aware that I have a brother. And so that, or I have uncles or I have, you know, cousins and these things, you know, are impactful. So, so for me, I'm in this, um, place of really working to understand the other pieces that need to be there that support relationships. I think there also has to be this ongoing desire of others or allies to be open to Continued reading and expansion—that it can't just be the one or two or or five relationships that you have, because we're talking about a culture, we're talking about a system, we're talking about uh, you know historical pieces that have um, happened and are happening, you know, currently. Even if (laughs) look at the Olympics, you know, the last week or two, you know, these things are not—they're not going away—and so to consistently make efforts to uh, make those connections. So I'm just going to pause here to see if I'm making any sort of sense um, and see if that was kind of helpful to, to where you wanted. But I wanted to just share something a little bit different in the experience that I was having.
1: Yeah, that is really helpful because I think there can be a temptation among us white folk to like just kind of check the box.
2: Yeah. Right. I don't think it's getting us far. And for me, I have had to work to maintain relationships when those, I'm going to call them infractions or hits have occurred when you're not making those connections to me. So I feel like I'm sharing myself. I'm being vulnerable with you. I'm working to help you see my world in a bit. And then in some ways it's, in, it's so easy or uh, you have the, the privilege of being able to kind of keep me in a compartment. And um, I think the other piece is just kind of hearing this struggle of some of my white friends say, oh, you know, I didn't know what to say to you. So I just kind of, I didn't think maybe you were worried or, um, oh, I know we had this conversation, but yeah, I just didn't feel like I could talk about it at home with my kids or my husband. Or when we were having the family event, you know, I didn't feel safe to do it. And so it makes, I, I wonder how much me giving of myself Um, in this relationship is really relevant or prudent or how how much should I put myself in this so I can almost see it as another, I don't know, avenue of abuse or a place of hurt. Like maybe I should just keep myself a little bit more protected, if that makes sense in some moments.
0: Dr. Tyree, it sounds like that that vulnerability piece can be hurtful at times based off of what you're saying in that relationship. But I think it's almost a catch twenty two because I think in order to have these conversations, we have to be vulnerable. so <laughs> how do how do we fix that? Like and I'm sure there's no you know magic bullet to that. but, like I think that's the scary part of being vulnerability is the hurt that comes along with it. do you Do you try to lean into that? You mentioned about some of those wounds, some of those hurts. Like, can you just share like how how do you reconcile that?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I, my belief about love is that it's a verb. It's something that we're consistently doing. Um, I don't think that there is any love or care for anyone without there being some um challenges related to it. I can't think of any relationships. I can't have puppies that have babies, you know. Um they're super, super cute. But you know, they do have to the potty. They do get sick sometimes. I love, 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 love being married. Um I'm on year twenty six coming up. Um as much as I think he is cute, sometimes, you know, we have some you know, heated conversations, you know, so, you know, I, I can't think of it. I love my girls. I have children, you know, and they're, they're adults now. So, I mean, I can't think of any converse, uh any loving relationships where um, there's maybe not some conflict, little friction because it didn't have to be full blown. You know, so with my belief in that, I think it gives me this place in this space to have a lot of grace, you know, um you know, uh, be willing to lean into those conversations that are difficult. So maybe being able to say, hey, Robert, you know, the other day when you said this, you know, this is the way it kind of landed. Can we take a moment and talk it out? And then I have to admit and say like, hey, sometimes I just have to allow myself to just do a little bit of a timeout or be able to say, you know, hey, Robert is a friend, you know, I know we've had these conversations, but right now I'm not in this place to have this conversation. And, and you know, and hopefully you're my friend and you'll be able to understand. You know, you can loop back around to me. Hopefully you got some other minority friends you have some of those conversations with. But it's me allowing myself to have a little break, maybe take myself out, you know, of the equation in some ways. And just uh, let myself heal from some of the things.
1: I mean, is it helpful to even ask, like, what are some of the things that we're doing that we don't even realize? Yes. And And I frame that in the context of like. Like in television, you know, the show This Is Us, you know, we just caught up with the the latest season, and there's that whole arc there where Randall's uh, siblings are trying to understand what's going on, and they keep getting it wrong, and he's just getting more and more upset and angry, and I'm sitting there watching, and I'm like, well, then what's the right way? Because neither one of them know how to have the conversation, and he's not showing them much mercy or compassion here, but he's also hurting, and rightly so, so... I mean, that that whole arc there from the show was very disorienting for both me and my wife. My wife is Hispanic, and so she's a minority. So just, I mean, w- what's helpful and, and what's not, if you're able to speak into that at all?
2: Yeah. So one, I want to acknowledge, hey, I'm not an authority on what's, you know, perfect for everybody, because I think that, you know, one, I know one of the arguments that I have, and I'm sure other cultures have this as well, is that for some reason, you know, I feel like as African-Americans, we get to be put into this one blot. So whatever works for Dr. Tyree should work for all the other Black people. But that that that's just not true because we all are individuals. And I think that if we take that into consideration, just like you would with anyone else, you know, what you do for your mom, you know, your dad might not like it, what you do for your wife or kid, you know, you do it in all your other relationships. I'm not sure why. So, you know, mind blowing, you know, for, for African-American culture, but hey, you just take your end, of, you know, work to meet the person exactly where they are. Do a check in with them. What makes them feel better? Think about what you know about them. And so that was some of the argument that I had with some of my friends. We've been friends for a long time. What do you think I like? You know, Um Sometimes I think it's just about the willingness to be wobbly. So you use the word vulnerability. So, you know, Jeff, if something was going on in the world and you said, "Hey, I'm thinking about you Dr. Terry," and I just want to I want to reach out and acknowledge it, take the chance and be wobbly." Say it however you say it because our friendship and our connection should help provide some grace around that wobbly moment. Um, but it's when you choose to say or do nothing because it's your fear your concern, um, then to me, you're, hold, you're still um, operating in that privilege and the power that you have to ignore it, to you know, it not be there, not give it voice, not give it any light. Um, so that's my perspective. That's what I've encouraged my friends to do. Just lean over and be wobbly with me. You, you want me to be you want me to be vulnerable with you all the time.
1: I mean, I think you've just shown me some grace there because I think if, you know, use that infraction language before, but perhaps, you know, an infraction in this conversation is my just assuming that one approach is going to work for everybody, that we're just lumping all African-Americans into one group and, and missing the individual, like you just said. And you said it was such grace and mercy. Like, I feel loved from what could have been, you know, me missing the mark on that.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for, you know, accepting that. And I, again, that's just my perspective and the way, you know, I've noted it, you know, I don't, I don't know that we can say the one thing I know what I want is not necessarily exactly what my husband wants, but I know communication is a huge part of it.
0: Yeah. And i yeah. love that. I've never heard that before that wobbly, uh, yeah. that that's fantastic. That's so good. And I think that's, that's such a key piece. I mean, just be that willingness to, to take that step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think that's a big problem. You know, and that and, and when we do take that step to stop talking and listen. I think we failed to do that too. So that's a great takeaway for me is to to just be more wobbly. Um, mm-hmm. And at my age, I might fall down, but um, I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna wobble more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Dr. That?
0: Tyree, as, as we kind of wrap this up, I want to bring this more back to say um, locally to Liberty, um, since we are we are engaged with Liberty, all three of us. How do you hope or or what would you like to see Liberty students especially doing to further engage in this conversation? Um, because I think it, it requires that intentionality, that engagement to continue to have these discussions. What would you like to see happen at Liberty?
2: Well, you know, I personally feel like our department's already off to a really awesome start. You know, over the past year, I know you guys know that we've had um many courageous conversations where we've opened the door and provided some space for students to um, engage in general conversations. Um, One of the things that I think is really great too, I I really love our Liberty team as it relates to our department. And we do have conversations and we share resources like on how to engage in conversations with students. And so I love that you guys specifically mentioned like practicum and internship, because I think it's such a one of the many relevant places to have conversations because you're actually working in the field and plus you're meeting each other every week. And so it gives you this space to um, kind of build these relationships in a way. I know many faculty are really working to implement like live discussions inside of um, courses uh, that may not necessarily be set up to have live discussions, so they may have a live discussion week. And I know for me, um, I've really worked to make sure that I'm having those live discussions during the social justice discussions or something like that, so that there's a space and a place uh, for addressing things. Um, I think, you know, um, encouraging students to just continue to um, lean into the opportunities that are presented. As well as like you mentioned, Robert, to be intentional in the places and spaces that they're in, because that's what really matters. You know, I think that's a lot of what higher education is. It provides this um, um, foundation for some uh, some basic uh, skills. And it's it's all of our responsibility to take those uh, basic skills. And I call them talents sometimes, kind of when we think about talents and we go out and multiply them. So we're just kind of taking the little bit that we have. We're multiplying it in some ways. And so sometimes that looks like just having conversations within our home, those private places. And maybe we taking it out to our larger family. Sometimes there's places where we can have it at work. Everybody gets to decide. You decide it. You open the door a little bit more at Walmart for others. You get to decide what it looks like, but just being intentional about it.
1: It's so helpful. Again, it's like, it's the person to person encounter, uh, that I'm hearing from that.
2: Yeah. It's to me important.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a significant takeaway, I think for, for both of us here and and just moving forward that, and I think that's the way of our Lord, right? It's just, it's one set of eyes at a time. Mm -hmm. It's one heart, it's one soul, just one person at a time, just being present to that person so yeah just hearing you speak and, and the beauty with which you speak is just really uh encouraging if i could speak on on behalf of robert which i usually do
2: <laughs> well thank you i appreciate it
1: yeah so, yeah, so thanks much. for being here just with your i mean you have you have satisfied all the expectations that were set for you <laughs> by all the professors <laughs> and students <laughs>
2: thank goodness yeah yeah so,
1: no pressure um but yeah, like I said, you just you you bring such kindness and gentleness and beauty uh, to the conversation and yeah, that kind of softens our hearts a bit um, and encourages us to be vulnerable to be wobbly, <laughs> which should be a, a, re, a peer reviewed term, I think, because that's fantastic. Uh, so thanks again for being here for your time we, we do want to wrap it up because you know you got other more important things to do but we're so grateful uh for you and your presence and, and your sharing with us today
2: well thank you for having me i really appreciate you guys this morning
1: yeah,
0: thank you, Dr. Tyree. That was, that was really great. And thank you for the vulnerability. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you just for sharing. Um, definitely checked all the boxes. It was an honor and a privilege to have this conversation with you and hope that we can continue this conversation maybe down the road a little bit more and continue to grow together. So thank you for sharing your time with us.
2: Thank you. Do you mind if I do like a quick little picture of us so I can remember this moment?
0: Sure, yeah, sure. Yep. This is a first, Jeff. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, we've never had our we've never had our picture taken. This is on cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah, go All for right. it. Yeah, Big yeah. smile.
2: We got to do something cute here. I don't know. Like, let me see. And I'll send you guys a copy.
1: I should have got, got my, my haircut. Haircut.
2: I, I Please, look good. Don't get your
0: haircut. Yeah, you look, you look great. <laughs> uh, Dr. Tiger, you, you're the best. You, <laughs> thank you so
2: much for this. I don't even know. This is funny. I'm definitely having a Dr. Lily moment now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm getting the picture, but anyway, so thank much. you,
0: Dr. Okay. Jeff. Thank God you bless. for 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 <laughs> hanging in there with us today. I appreciate you. You definitely uh, are my favorite co-host. You're my oh, only co-host, boy, but you're my favorite sweet. one. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen today, and 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 hope that you can be vulnerable and wobbly at the same time. So. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned to us. God bless.